We all know that the world we're living in is changing at an unparalleled rate. Brands and technologies that are dominating today weren't even a spark of an idea 10 years ago. Uber, Airbnb, Siri, AI, these all came out of nowhere, right? Or did they? My next guest is a global trends expert, and while to many of us these trends came as a surprise, Henry Mason and his London-based think tank Trend Watching anticipated these trends years in advance. For anyone looking to be an authority in their industry, I can promise you that being able to stay five steps ahead of the others in your space is one of the keys, if not actually from an authority point of view, the key. So what's a trend versus a fad? I had always wondered that. How exactly do you track trends? Where do you look? How do you take something on the fringe of what's going on and make it relevant to the people that you're interested in influencing? How do you use that to drive the next big game-changing conversation in your industry? And what if, what if the answer to all of that was to firstly stop looking where everybody else is looking? He's a globally sought after keynote speaker. He shared the stage with Rudy Giuliani and a number of other crazy successful names. He's featured regularly on Bloomberg, CNN, the BBC, and my favorite fact, according to GQ, he is one of the most connected men in the UK. So I'm thrilled to be able to connect him with you. And I invite you to use whatever you learn here. I want you to go and start standing out in your industry, in your company, wherever you're looking to make a mark by connecting the dots on the trends that you can see. Henry Mason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. We are here live from Eric. So if you, if you can hear music in the background, everybody's pumping, getting ready for the next speaker speaker outside and I've just grabbed Henry not quite fresh from the stage but but pretty much fresh from the stage I'm not sure after a 24-hour flight if I'm fresh from anything but thanks for having me and it's uh, good to be here well Well, you've got you've got a cup of coffee so hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) we can caffeinate you enough I said to you before we went on air that that I've been watching your journey for a while in terms of trends and trend watching and I just want to I want to kick off by starting right at the beginning what what is a trend what would you call the trend? What's the difference between a trend and a fad? Okay, yeah. So, so we look at consumer trends. So we're really interested in what are the changes in consumer behavior, attitudes, uh, expectations is a word that we come back to a lot, which we can pick up on later. But what are the changes in the business environment? Often happening in, in one market, in one um, in industry, possibly outside of your own that you know will influence how consumers behave what they expect from you as a business and, and ultimately create opportunities for you right we're, we're not here to uh look at trends as kind of forces of doom and gloom you know we're here to try and help people spot potential new opportunities you were saying you mentioned on stage um snapchat filters yeah. That we are not about Snapchat filters. <laughs> and so how do you yeah, how do you differentiate between something that's possibly a fad and something that's that's gonna be a trend? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm I'm not anti Snapchat filters. In fact, you know, sometimes Can you be found Snapchat filtering? Uh <laughs> so so actually uh one of my colleagues uh shared an amazing uh talk by by one of the head product guys at Facebook, um, who was saying you know, actually Snapchat filters point towards uh, quite a deep-rooted tension in today's society that, you know, we're moving to a visual world. We always hear, you know, images, everything, right? And, and, you know, a lot of the speakers here today have spoken about, you know, the importance of video. And most people don't like being on video, right? So Snapchat filters uh, provide, if you like, a, a an escape hatch, right? A, a, a way for people to uh, be on video without pressure, without as much uh, sense of nervousness. And and so in, in that kind of long and rather rambling answer, it gets at the heart of what we're looking at when we're looking at trends is, is how do new innovations, expansively defined, how do new things, if we like, coming into the marketplace, like a Snapchat filter, or it could be a new, uh, you know, tech offering an app, or it could be just a, a new retail store opening, it could be a new startup, a new product or service from, you know, a big brand like Unilever. Um, how do these cater to people's basic needs and wants in novel ways? And that's something we come back to. Like, we have certain basic needs and wants, 
case of social media, expression, connection, wanting to share information. As the world changes, some things become scarce uh, and other things become abundant, right? So suddenly images are everywhere. So what is scarce perhaps is people's comfort, people's ability to live in that world. So we're constantly looking for these, these weak signals of why are people embracing this? Why are they giving it their time, money, attention? And if you extrapolate that back to these basic human needs, what does that maybe say about how you should be speaking to your customers? And how do how do you guys track those trends? I mean, I've seen your trends reports and they're, they're pretty pretty expansive. Like they, they're yeah. global. There's a lot of work that goes into them. I mean, just from a business perspective, you can't possibly have that many people on <laughs> the ground around the world. How do you pull all of this information together? Yeah, so we, we kind of almost have that many people on the ground around the world. because So we, we uh, publish a newsletter, which, which we've done so for 15 odd years. It's a quarter of a million subscribers. To yeah, so it's, it's got about a quarter of a million subscribers in, in most countries. And, and, you know, like so many businesses, it's what, what we thought its purpose actually maybe turned out to be not quite what we, we imagined, right? So when we first did it, we were like, okay, this is obviously a marketing channel, right? You know, this will be a greater um, way to, to reach potential clients. And then we started to realize, okay, but there's actually loads of people in that audience who are really passionate about trends, who really have their, their you know, they're, they're much closer to certain places, markets, industries than we are. And maybe they don't have a budget, maybe they don't need to bring us in to work on, you know, to work with us directly, but actually they can be an amazing source of content. So we've got this, this spotter network uh, and, you know, it, it's kind of one of these business models that just couldn't have really existed, uh, you know, 20 years ago. And so we, we pay these spotters in, in points, which they can redeem for Amazon vouchers. They can donate them to charity. Uh, they can buy iPads with them, things like this. And so we, it's, it's a mix of push and pull. So sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll share a couple of examples in a small cluster and we'll say, you know, we're seeing this. Here's one happening in Sydney. Here's one, you know, in, you know London and New York. Is this actually a global phenomenon? You know, fill in the gaps. Or sometimes it's, you know, with a small set of the really engaged ones, it, it can be, you know, just send us the stuff that you think we need to know about. You know, what are the, the new innovations coming out of your market? And, and, and then we're in the incredibly fortunate position that we can sit at the middle of all of this information coming in and we're totally cross market, we're totally cross industry. And so we can join the dots. We're in this incredibly privileged position where we can join the dots between seemingly unrelated innovations or just very closely related, but in, but in sectors or industries that most other people don't see, right? Because we can see what a, a fast fashion retailer in Taiwan, an automotive manufacturer in Germany, and a, whatever it is, a shampoo, you know, bottle in, in the US. How are they communicating messages around, it could be gender equality, or it could be a female empowerment, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And actually say there's, there's something bigger happening here in society. Uh, and could that be interesting to people in other industries, in other sectors? We're going to talk a little bit more about the joining the dots piece yeah. in a second. But, but before we get there, I wanted to look at, I wanted to just bridge what you were saying. Mm. So you were talking about the fact that you've got this spotters network yeah. and that you bribe slash incentivize them mm. to be your ears on the ground, which is an incredibly smart idea. Mm. So. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a company or I'm an individual and I'm looking to get much better at transporting in my industry. Are there some simple ways that I can go, right, how do I get some ears on the ground here yep. to help feed this information to me? Because I can't be in all places at once. And I've also, mm. wherever I go, I'm going to bring my same old filters with me. Yes. So it needs to involve other people. Yeah. Well, so I think the, the first thing to say is, you know, tap into people's enthusiasm. You know, as Malcolm Gladwell coined in you know the tipping point there are there are different types of people some people are super connectors you know great physical interpersonal connectors bring people together some people are mavens you know some people just have this passion for sharing the things that they are seeing around them they, they want to bring things to a wider audience uh, i mean essentially that's our job so, so we probably attract these people more than others but you know in, in any company there's going to be you know, and it's not everyone, right? You know, of course, it comes quite naturally to us. So we like to think that everyone does this. But even amongst our trend spotters, you know, really, there's 
as always, there's a small hardcore of them who are, you know, who are super active, who just love this because, you know, it, it is very rewarding sharing details about, you know, this is a, this is a new innovator in my market, or this is a, you know, brand that I love. I, I want to, you know, spread the word about them. And do you, would you ask clients or is that crossing a line? If you went out to a core select group of clients and said, look, I'm trying to keep my ear to the ground yeah. here. Can we have a panel meeting once a month where you tell me yeah. what you're seeing? We, we don't do it with clients officially. I mean, we do, you know, we've hosted events. I mean, that's why I'm in, in Australia because I met, I met John at an event uh, in Sydney last year. So, and that's why I love coming to events like this because, you know, you, you, you can't help but come away having learned loads. And actually, uh, when we, we wrote a book last year about how we spot trends and, uh, in, in there, we actually, you know, included a little kind of big bibliography almost, of a, a modern bibliography, so not limited to just books. But, where, you know, where do you find trends? And, you know, the beauty of social media, you can actually build a, a really powerful trend-spotting network through a well-curated Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, pick your network of choice. You were just telling me what, about one off-air, weren't you? A new, a new service that collates articles that are of interest in your industry. Yeah, so, so, you know, and, and exactly, I mean, it's going to be automated, right? Mm. So we know that, you know, now, I mean, there are already companies out there that do this. It's, of course, something that we're looking at, you know, how to scrape, you know, details of every innovation related to sustainability. Uh, and so this is probably, just brings me on to the, the second part of the answer, which is, how, you know, how do you become a trend spotter? And, you know, we, we use uh, what we call our trend framework, uh, which is, I mean, for us, we're looking at consumer trends. So we have, we, we sat down a couple of years ago and we said, okay, what are the things that we think don't change, right? So, so broadly speaking, our trend framework is half basic human needs. We touched on them before. Um, and half the kind of big external, you know, slow moving currents like the rise of technology and, you know, the rebalancing of the global economy, right? Things that are not, not, not changing year on year. And so we have 16 of these, these big mega trends. So they range from status, the desire for status, uh, the desire for self-improvement, the desire for connection, right? So the basic human needs and then, and then the kind of external ones that I just mentioned. And so when, when all of these random innovations come in, right? Because, you know, as you, as you said, you can't be everywhere. You've got your own filters. We're constantly asking ourselves, okay, how does that map against, you know, our stakes in the ground? How does that map against the things that don't change? And that, that again, is, is so critical for us when it comes to making a trend meaningful. Because, you, you know, it circles back. How do you differentiate between a trend and a fad? For us, a fad, you know, will come and go. It doesn't speak to one of these basic human needs. So uh, one of the other questions which, which I get asked a lot, uh, which perhaps is on your list, is, you know, how do you know if you're right? How, 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 do you get, how do you get it right? And the slightly kind of, you know, almost politician's answer I would give is if you relate your trends, you know, and your spottings to something that doesn't change, and if you're constantly using it as, you know, then as an indicator of where is that basic need headed, then you're going to be in the right general direction. You know, if we're talking about the desire for self-improvement, right, that, that's maybe morphed from being, you know, wearable technologies, Fitbits, you know, over the past couple of years, we're seeing new developments in that space where people are using AI because it turns out just counting your steps wasn't enough. We're just lazy. We're still lazy. It just means you just know how lazy you are, right? You see how, how unfit you are. Physical representation of how lazy you are. (laughs) Exactly. And so now we're seeing some really interesting uh, new innovations, new services that kind of use AI to to prod you at just the correct moment and, you know, manage you that way. Um, you, you can start to see these things evolving because you're, you're constantly tying them back to something that doesn't evolve that much. Mm. So you're saying you, so kind of step one, you need to figure out where you're watching for these trends. Exactly. So I, whether it's a carefully curated Twitter feed that you've got going, so you start watching trends that way, whether you can find a way to get more eyes and ears on the ground, mm. do it that way. Yeah. And then you benchmark what you're seeing against things that do not change. Exactly. The basic human needs that do not change. Exactly. So, you know, if you're a car company, you know, what, what business are you really in? 
it's because you know you're in the mobility business you're not in the selling cars mm. so how are people moving around you know we've spoken a lot we're at a real estate conference you know as, as you say what business a, a, a real estate agent's really in they're in the trust business so if you're constantly alert to these what is really important to your business and obviously for you know for us we're looking at consumer trends so it's very you know customer focused if you're in a different type of role it might be it might be something else but you know here we're at a real estate conference you know are you in the business of selling houses or are you in the business of you know being a trusted advisor to someone trying to facilitate their dreams mm. right which is basically you know what your home is a is a vehicle for and if you if you understand what business you're really in then you know it suddenly allows your your view on the world to take on a different perspective and and I think that's really important I think that one of the one of the big things when it comes to becoming an influencer either mm. in your organization in your industry wherever you're looking to raise mm. your influence you've got to figure out how to be we were talking about this before be a translator almost you've got to figure out how to go mm. out there on the horizon bring back what's what seems to be coming what waves of change are coming and then the most important bit translate it yeah. translate it for your organization translate it for your customers so that they don't have to do the hard yards of going out there and finding it mm. you just come back with this is happening this is what it means for you and here are some core insights now you have said um, before I think it was in your presentation you know that transporting is not a magical mystery power it's a, it's a science it can be broken down and it's essentially just about telling stories can you give me? Can you break that down for me? Give me some insights as to how do you tell a compelling. So you've got your trend. Yeah. How do you tell a compelling story about it? Yeah, and that that's a great question. I think I'll give you the answer of how we do it, and then also maybe a, a kind of slightly more philosophical argument. Oh, I love uh, both. I'll take both. So, so I'm constantly amazed that more businesses, or more more of our competitors, I should say still focus on on you know the data points and i think that comes often out of a business environment right and we were very fortunate because we started online we were slightly you know insulated from this because we were at arm's length and you know so we we i mean we do it by showing as i, as I touched on earlier we do it by showing real world innovations right? new products new services ad campaigns and that is incredibly intuitive for us it, it also we find you know it's amazing how inspirational it is because you're not trying to make an argument with numbers you're basically saying and it's also very hard to argue against right because we're saying well here are three things that actually exist they're in the marketplace today and kind of there it is right? mm, well you told <laughs> an amazing one I mean, sorry to interrupt you yeah. but even this morning you were talking about this trend of personalization yeah. and you used this incredible example. I think I texted you about it, which was um, there's a company out there now that you send them a swab. Yeah. Don't know where from, but you send them a swab <laughs> and they check your DNA and then they send you wine yeah. that matches your DNA. Now, I can't tell you how many people have texted about that this morning, <laughs> just purely yeah. for the novelty of it. But also probably out of those people, I know at least two who will go and do it. And that's a very different thing than you just getting up there and saying personalization is a big thing. Here's some data around it. Exactly. Using those examples, it's not only social proof, but it ca suddenly you've taken something that was conceptual and you've shown me what it can look like. Exactly. And, you know, that I think is, is you know, really powerful. As you say, it's really inspirational. Suddenly you can visualize it, right? And, and you know, if you're in business, and I think this is actually just what, what all, I mean, it's been referenced on stage, you know, innovation is just about combining things in unexpected ways. You know, it's what all successful entrepreneurs do. They, they you know, there's very little kind of truly novel invention, right, outside of the kind of science lab. Most of the time it is taking, you know, something that existed and, and applying it in a new way, exposing it to new audiences, etc. And I think to, to, to look at the second half of this argument, you know, we, we were very lucky. Um, as I said, we started, you know, kind of um, early 2000s, you know, the internet was a lot less of a competitive place. Uh, you know, you, you could find people a lot easier, dare I say, uh, when there was less competition. And so we, we grew out of this email newsletter that I was talking about um, earlier. And, you know, we had this email newsletter and it, it grew to a reasonable size audience, you know, a quarter of a million people in the grand scheme of things. It's not huge, right, worldwide. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, thousands or so clients who came out of that. And, and by the way, that, that's a pretty good 
pretty good conversion rate when you, I mean, I only know a small amount about direct mail, but that in itself is an amazing conversion rate. Well, thank you. But one of the things we realized is, you know, if we wanted to scale properly, you know, and become an even bigger business, we couldn't just speak to people who intuitively got it in the way that we did. And, and, you know, we were very fortunate. There were enough people that did. And so as we tried to scale, we kind of realized we actually had to unpack it and we had to explain how we did it. And, um, so we created this kind of guidebook and it started actually as we were trying to grow our own company. We, you know, we hired people on the other side of the world and we said, go off and write some trends. And they said, well, how the hell do I do that? And we said, well, just copy what we've done, right? That's, there's loads of, you know, free reports and here's the paid ones, just, just copy them. And we realized we had to break it down a bit more, give them a kind of a checklist. And then we did that. And then we started with, with, uh, doing that with clients in workshops and stuff. And, uh, and so when we were approached to write this book, and I know this is a long way of saying, you know, we, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, or your listeners are familiar with, uh, Simon Sinek. Yes, who, has who, this who isn't? Start with why, work. right? Yeah. It's, it's the third most popular TED Talk. And, and his idea is, you know, you need to start uh, with the why for any business, right? which is kind of, you know, what we were saying earlier. You need to know where you're looking at, what why you're looking at the, the root before you can try and analyze change. And I always, I always joke with people, but we actually did it exactly the wrong way around. So we started with our email newsletter, which is the what, and we then kind of backed out of that, the how, as we tried to, to explain why this email newsletter would work. And actually, we, we wrote the whole book on the how, and, and then we, we actually had sent off the manuscript, and I was sitting around with my, my fellow co-authors kind of just fine-tuning the back cover. And we suddenly realized that we had this, this bigger kind of purpose that we, we, I think we'd always intuitively known, but we hadn't been able to articulate it. And, and that was really the reason why this stuff works. And by this stuff, I mean looking at innovations to see what's coming next is because as a customer, as a user of something, once you've experienced something, you know, the example I gave in the session earlier was Uber. Right. We're a bunch of real estate agents, you know, at this conference. Everyone's used Uber and it's changed their tolerance around waiting. Right? You no longer are prepared to wait for as long. And the thing is, that doesn't just stop with your taxis. Right? When you walk into a restaurant, there's a slight pain point, even if it's unexpressed, even if it's subconscious, that, okay, but how, I can just walk out of a cab without paying. Why can't I just walk out of this restaurant? And you described that, um, I've seen you speak a couple of times now, and yeah. you described that as the expectation gap. Yeah. So another place to find a trend is go to the expectation gap. And that means, which ironically means you don't even look in your own industry. Exactly. You find the expectation gap elsewhere. Exactly. And I would argue even, even like not just the place to find a trend, the place to actually start setting a trend, right, is to, is to say, you know, where are the expectation gaps going to come in our industry? So, you know, we can see it happening in retail. We can see it happening in hospitality. Well, I'm in the service business. It's kind of like a little bit of both. So I'm going to see where the pain points are, see who, who's crushing them and eliminating them. And why can't I use that as inspiration? And you were talking about um, Amazon Dash. Yes. The Amazon Dash buttons. Yeah. And how if, I mean, Amazon have changed the game for yeah. retail so many times, it's hard to keep track. There's mm. Amazon Go, Amazon Prime. Amazon now Echo. Amazon, right, Amazon right, Echo. Yeah. Um, but once you've had the experience of pressing a button when you run out of toilet paper, then how are you going to go... Mm you know, getting into your car, going to a shop, realizing they're out of stock, placing on an order, they're going to call you when it's ready. Like you, the expectation gap there yeah. is going to be huge. So if you're looking for trends, going to industries that have changed the game in mm. retail, changed the game in hospitality, changed the game, you know, Uber, cars, Airbnb, yeah. accommodation, look at what gap they have created between what we used to want and now what we're wanting or now what we've come to expect yeah and see if you can identify what that means for your industry in terms of a trend exactly and what's incredible right is is and this is the kind of scary part for businesses the exciting part potentially you know, you the Amazon Dash buttons are not even available in Australia yet. Nothing is available in so. Australia. <laughs> Prime's not available in Australia. The internet is barely available in Australia right now. But, but you know that is. But but you know there were so many people 
nodding their heads when I put that slide up. Even if it's not available in, in this world of just total transparency, you don't even have to have experienced it yourself. You just need to know that it exists, right? And that, that is, you know, again, a, a mind-boggling, um, you know, new development. But I think, you know, it, it is why, or I think more importantly, it, it's, it's why I think our message resonates so much with people because I think there's this common sense, and, and you touched on it, you know, a number of times, people feel quite overwhelmed, right? There's, there's all of this, this, whether it's data, whether it's, you know, competition, whether it's information, like how the hell do I process this, right? Where do I start? And, and I think, you know, having this language to say, okay, you know, I've seen something in my newsfeed. You know, we all get mag- magazines, new- newspapers, mm. you know, newsfeeds. Mag- newsletters now to help you unsubscribe from other newsletters. Yeah. Unroll me being a yeah. classic one, which I use religiously, but it's kind of ironic that now we have newsletters yeah. to help us get rid of other, other newsletters. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it just, there's this total sense of overwhelm. And I think, you know, the best thing you can, you can do is, as a, well, if you want to be a thought leader, you want to try and have an answer to that, you know, and, and a, a, a way of explaining that. And then I think, you know, the other thing is, is, is to be generous with it, right? You know, I think, you know, it's, it, for me, it feels very, very uh, traditional business thinking in the kind of negative sense, right? Very outdated business thinking to... Um, think we live in this world of scarcity and you know information is precious and somehow we're going to get some kind of advantage you know we're, we're all struggling with with trying to understand this understand where things are headed the difference is you know you sharing some ideas about where this is where things that's are going changed. is not going to be this difference of success or failure. But I think that that's, that's been a massive shift just even mm. in my career over the past 10 to 15 years. Mm. You know, in the beginnings when I started out right back in the speaking industry, the idea, like if you had put it to someone that they should take their presentation yeah. and put it on the internet, they, they would have just walked away. Like yeah. there's, it, they would have laughed you out of the room because someone would steal their IP. Yeah. Um, what if someone copies me? Who will need to book me as a speaker anymore if they've just watched me online? And just in the past 10 years, that has shifted. Mm. And now those that are winning are those that are sharing. Those yeah. are the winnings are putting their thoughts out there, tracking trends, telling us what they think that they mean, mm. putting videos up there, audio up there. So that, and you even said yourself that internally mm. in your organization, there's still that debate even now yeah. around, do we give away too, what's too much? Do we give away too much awesome stuff? Should we give away less? But, mm. you know, it's our business model to give away this much. How do you reconcile it? When's enough or too much? Well, you know, as I think when it comes to speaking and, and true thought leadership, you can never give away too much because, you know, again, coming back to this idea of basic human needs, yes, on the one hand, everything's changing, yeah, whether it's online video, whether it's, you know, whatever, you know, even even beyond that articles, the the you're not going to get away from the fact that the, the real magic often happens when you're face-to-face, right? So, you know, we would not, I would not be sitting here with you if we hadn't given stuff away um, because... You know, John, the organizer of a conference. So when you said, you know, it, that is, it is different. Their subscribers, they read the online newsletter. You know, this is a message that if I send everyone here an email, they're not going to read it, right? You know, it's got to be delivered face to face. It adds to it. Uh, and so that will always be part of it. And I think, you know, the other thing thing we, we debate a lot internally is what are the jobs you're really being hired for? Right. There's, uh, I think it's Clayton Christensen who who invented the phrase uh, the disruptive innovation. Um, he's got this kind of second theory, which is about jobs to be done. And we touched on it earlier. You know, what business are you really in, and what do people pay us for? Now they don't they don't pay us for ideas. They might pay us for time saving. They might pay us for the analysis of those ideas relative to their business model. They might pay us for greater convenience. You know, it's the same, same basically. They might pay us so they can customize those ideas, so they can take them and adapt them and, you know, sell them internally. Uh, but as a, as a spreader of ideas, the ideas themselves are worthless if no one knows about them. Um, you know, it's like a chef. 
You know, chefs publish recipe books. People still go and, and eat in their restaurant. This, right? is, but, but, this is true. This is true. I come from somebody that is profoundly blind when it comes to right. recipes. But I think you've just touched on another innovation there or something that has changed in the influence world of late, and that is the the idea used to be the goal. The coming up with the idea used to be the goal. The getting on stage and giving the presentation mm. and potentially getting paid for it, that used to be the goal. The getting the book deal yeah. used to be the goal. And now it's totally flipped. Mm. And that's not the goal anymore. That's a way to open a door. Yeah. If you can do those things, you will potentially open a door to a conversation with either a big corporate or the right person or an investor, potential employer, whatever it is. And that conversation, that's the goal. And that's, again, changed the game. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, I mean, we always joke, our, our book is a very expensive business card, right? A very heavy yep. business card. It, you, you don't make any money from selling business books, right? Uh, you know, we might t- take the team out for dinner, you know, when we get a royalty check. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's not about that. Uh, but I think, you know, the other thing that you, you touched on there is, and I think we're both bouncing back and forth, is exactly, you know, your your resume is is much more of a living breathing thing than than something that you know you create and you you know print and then you hand over and it's fixed right you know the world is just too fluid you know the idea the ideas evolve the, as you said the applic- the application you're totally right it is it's about having the right conversation i, I think it's the the guys at um, deloitte their their center for the edge that they've got a very nice um you know, thesis, which is about we're moving from uh, stocks of knowledge to flows of knowledge. So, you know, whereas before the information itself was valuable, and now, you know, on the one hand, a lot of data is just too abundant, right? It's just generated in such massive quantities that it's only the analysis of it, how it's changing. How you break it down, how you put it, it back together again. It, exactly. But also, you know, it, it's just... You know, very. Of course, there are still trade secrets, right? I mean, we're not talking about knowledge like that, but but increasingly, those are a smaller and smaller percentage of what the value is, or, or how that value can be realised. And it is. It's in the it's in the flows of knowledge. It's getting it to the right person at the right time, whether within the organisation or without of the organisation. You know, it, it's the world is too complex. You know, you're going to need to create an ecosystem probably of partners to harness the value of that knowledge you know so, so it's 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 just bigger than than the idea you said this morning you know we are moving from an internet of information mm. to an internet of experiences yeah and i thought that that was a really valid point because one of the those basic human needs that you were talking about mm. that does not change and that you measure trends against was the need for status yeah. and you know status being what you know who you know and so if you can as a trend spotter or a trend spotter in training if you can mm. find a trend and inform people about it inform your network of it suddenly you're raising their status you're fitting in with that need of a higher status. So you're saying to them, look, this is this amazing thing. Not everybody knows it. Yeah. I'm going to share it with you and here's what I think it means. You're raising their status because mm-hmm. they can now tell somebody else. You're giving them a story to tell. But how does that, how does that impact or does that have any impact on, um, on bottom line? You know, because you could easily spend five days a week tracking and sharing. Easily. Well, we we do. Right? Well, you it's, do, it is, and, and actually, business, you but. have done very well out of it. So let me take <laughs> so, that back. No, but but is it? I think you're, you know, is it practical for um, people who who it's not their you know core business purpose mm. to be you know that active, if you like, in in the trend uh, spotting practice, right? Uh, and I guess you know part of it. Part of me would argue. <laughs> You know, the the tools and services we have at our disposal now, and they're all free, right? You know, as I said, a well-curated Twitter feed or social media feed, you know, can get you a pretty long way down the road. Um, You know, it it is time-consuming, but if you want to be um, exactly, you know, seen as as a a thought leader in your industry, you know, to have an opinion, 
Uh, I mean, I think it's it's Warren Buffett who who says, you know, I've literally never met anyone who's who's successful who doesn't read a lot, who isn't curious about um, where things are headed. And and you know, it just it, it amazes me that we live in a in a world where there literally has never been a greater abundance of information. As, as you said, you know, you can watch videos, TED Talks, you can literally see the world's leading proponents of anything, absolutely anything. You can watch Harvard um, lecturers on YouTube. Harvard you literally attend Harvard it, from exactly. your lounge room. You know, but, but even if you're in the field of design, you know, you can read articles by Facebook, Instagram designers, Airbnb designers, you know, literally the world's best website designers on how and why they redesigned the website in the way that they did or whatever it is you know it, it is there is such a wealth of knowledge out there um that you know it is the the, the people who are curious as you say the people who uh try at least and, and have a, a perspective on how it's going to change the things that are important to to the the business or the world that they're in um who, who will be in an advantage because again you know one of the other big mega trends right I mean, it's not really a consumer trend so but but you know the, the trend that we're all aware of is you know there is no such thing as a job for life anymore change is the only constant you know we're gonna have to be working for you know more more than one company probably in a role probably in a job that doesn't even exist today in 10 15 years um you know so do you want to sit back and and let life happen passively to you or um you know do you want to do you want to get out there and, and mm -hmm. jump in the middle of it and, and you know try and get involved and also who's going to get the most who's going to attract the most opportunities the person that's out there on the edges mm -hmm. bringing information in sharing sharing their insights yeah. translating it for for their networks yeah. or the person who who isn't person who exactly. sat there kind of thinking, well, you know, everybody's got their own Twitter feed that can do it for themselves. Exactly. Um, I got asked a question actually a couple of weeks ago yes. and I'm not sure that I, that I answered it that well. It was an executive who said to me, I need to do a presentation in front mm. of our key customers and I need to present these trends. And to be honest with you, most of these trends involve them going out of business in the next three or four <laughs> years. And I'm not sure that I should A, really be sharing it or B, yeah. if I want to be the person okay. that shares this with them. How do you walk that line between overwhelming people to the point where they go, do you know what, too hard, I'm, I can't even read this person's stuff anymore. Yeah. It just makes my head want to explode. And not babying, you know, not deliberately dumbing it down. Mm. Well, I think, you know, we touched on this right at the start. For us, trends are, are ultimately about opportunities, right? So we would always try and highlight the positive opportunities, the, you know, opportunities to, to do better. Uh, but also let's not shy away from the fact that, and, and you know, I think we're, we're in the very fortunate position that because we're independent and, you know, either we're not an agency or we're not within a company that has, you know, a particular uh, business model to protect. You know, we're kind of on the side of consumer, right? So, you know, let, let's not get away from the fact that a lot of what businesses has done in the past, most still doing, right, is not great, actually. And, you know, and in fact, I mean, we're all complicit in that as well, right, as consumers. I mean, let's not pretend it's all just business. I mean, we eat food that kills us, you know, we drink too many too many drinks that you know poison us right i mean we are you know willing uh participants, participants in this in this pretty awful uh at times pretty awful uh play that we're all in and, and so sometimes it just needs to be said you know and actually we always spin it again in a positive opportunity it's really not a great business model to be killing your customers or make them hate you, right? If you're, uh, you know, I mean, let's pick on some of the... I think that's probably business 101, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, let's pick on some of the, the kind of, you know, obvious bad guys, fast food, you know, killing, giving all your customers diabetes, not a great long-term, you know, if you're talking about long-term business strategies. Uh, actually, I was in an amazing event with, with uh, the lady who runs sustainability for Nike. And she told, I think, a really, really fascinating story with this regard. And, and she was talking about the, the journey to, uh, around sustainability within the company. And she said in the mid-90s, it was something very much forced on us by, by consumers, you know, the sweatshop scandals and things like that. And, you know, it was just kind of seen as a, as a cost. And she said over the, the last uh, few years, 
that journey has changed to the point where that their latest, uh, actually I'm wearing some right now, but the fly knit material that they have, which is woven from a single piece of thread, not stitched leather. Uh, so it's much lighter and it uses much less water and it's, uh, you know, it's just much, much more sustainable. Huge uh, factor for them is, is water input costs. And she said, when we, we you know, they, they started, it was a running shoe. Uh, started this. And um, she said, when we walked into the, the board and we said, you know, if, and I'll, the numbers will be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but, you know, if we, if we made every single one of our sneakers like this, uh, you know, the input costs would be X hundred million less and the shipping costs would be X hundred million less. And suddenly even the guy in suit, the suit, the CFO at the far end of the table kind of wakes up, right? And she said the real kicker with this is not only would it save us a load of money going in and reduce, you know, reduce our costs, reduce our complexity, we can also market this shoe because it's lighter and more flexible and more comfortable as higher performance. Because actually most customers don't necessarily really care they say they do about sustainability but, but they don't necessarily uh, you know they're not there's don't always subset. act in accordance with exactly that. there's only a subset of consumers you know the, the kind of eco consumer who will actually pay more for sustainable products but tell them that this is our lightest ever running shoe and that you can run faster then that is is a transformative way of looking at this equation and, and again, you know, so that is that is the kind of answer that we're looking for when it, we come for looking for opportunities. You know, no one, no one wants to be killing the planet in their consumption, right? I, I would hazard a guess that everyone, you know, given the choice between one that used no water, that didn't have, you know, child labor, you know, that wasn't, you know, killing the planet, and and you know, a shoe that was is going to go for the sustainable one, as long as there's no compromise. Mm. So and even you, better, it's how you structure. Sorry, it's. Yeah. It's how you structure it. So what you're saying is you don't go to your marketplace or your investors and go, well, here's three trends that essentially mean we're, we're doomed. <laughs> you go, so here's three trends and here are the opportunities that spin off those trends. And here are some examples of people that have done it incredibly well. Um, I wanted to I wanted to touch on your journey. Seeing as we're, we're talking about influence, we're talking about becoming yeah. using trends to become more of an influencer, mm. regardless of where that is. And you said you had a dirty secret when you arrived, and um, after a bit of digging, it turns out you used to be an accountant. <laughs> I want to know about that. I want to know about how you go from being an accountant yeah. to start, you know, starting with this firm, mm. but more interestingly how you've leveraged these trends that you're talking about to now. I was watching a video of you when I was doing my research last week and you're on stage with Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> you know, that's quite a journey. How have you leveraged everything you're talking about now yeah. and turned it into a platform where you can now talk about your business, talk about the great work that you're doing, be invited onto those type <laughs> of stages, publish books, all the amazing stuff that you're doing. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, kind of crazy at times. Um, you know, I think it, it has to be something that you enjoy doing, right? You know, so for me, as I said, it's it's sharing information about, you know, things that I think are interesting uh, that, that and also that I think are relevant, right, and unlock opportunities for the audience you're sharing them for, right? It can't be about yourself. Uh, it, you know, it has to be something, you're, a, a message that you're passionate about communicating. Um and, and you know a lot, a lot of it is 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 luck, I would say, but a lot of it is is, as I said, just not viewing it as as work, not viewing it. You know, I feel incredibly, incredibly uh, fortunate that this is actually what I would be doing anyway, right? It's kind of uh, a hobby almost. Mm. Uh, and of course, that that's not going to be for everyone, right? And I and I think um, you know we had Gary Vaynerchuk on on stage uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah, he's big on on video. He's big on social media. You know, those are the things that he's pushing. But you know, as, as he said, if you've got to be yourself, and if if that is not going to work for you, then you know you don't have to be the hyperactive, you know, America, you know, kind of brash American guy who's going to steam into the industry and and you know destroy convention that way. As he said, there is. There is so much opportunity out there. There are so many modes of transmission, of information transition, transmission. You know, you just have to find the the medium, the uh, network, the topic that that is interesting to you, 
and transmit your information that way. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people that's offline. I mean, you know, with so much thought about, uh, you know, online, there are people who are, who have intensely strong networks and are, and are influencers and are thought leaders. And, and what happens um, offline? You know, that, that works for them. I think, you know, the other thing which has been echoed a few times in this conference is, you know, play to your strengths. You're not going to uh, correct your weaknesses because in, there's, it's a big bad world out there. There's gonna, there's definitely going to be someone who is whose strength is your weakness, and they're always going to be better than you at doing that. So you know, trying to do something that you're not into, that you're not really good at, it is mm. not going to work. Focus on the stuff, but you know, if it's something that you're passionate about that you can't wait to share. You know, I. I, I would hazard a guess. I, you know, I've not found many people who don't have a topic that puts a spark in their eye and that they, you know, they tug your arm and, and tell you about, you know, the coffee stand or whatever. You know, there's something in all of us that people want to share. And you can definitely, you definitely see that for anybody that hasn't mm. seen Henry on stage, go and <laughs> type Henry Mason into Google. A, a thousand things will, a thousand videos will come up, but you can, you can totally see that. You can totally see that you would be talking about trends anyway, regardless of whether there was a stage or there was a camera. And I think you're a testament to the power when it comes to influence of generosity, the power of putting your ideas out there, trying to link them for people. So this is interesting. You should know about it. And here's why here's potentially what you could do with it. And with that kind of generosity, clients come, stages come, invitations come. Um, before we get on to the end, there was one thing that I did want to talk about and that's... I'm only laughing because I'm not sure my friends would call it generosity because I'm, <laughs> I'm always the person who when they say, have you seen this really cool new thing? I'm like, yeah, we've seen five of them and, so, and then talk them through. So, you know, uh, it, can, it can backfire. So. <laughs> one of the downsides of being um, a master in your space. Um, I want to talk about failure. Yes. I just want to bring that up because, again, one of the pieces of reticence that mm. I see when it comes to people picking it, like putting their hat on a trend and going, hey, everybody, look over here. Mm. This is a thing. I reckon this is going to be a thing for you. It's a thing you should pay attention to. I mean, we all would have seen, anybody in the industry would have seen five years ago, five to ten years ago, futurists were up talking about hoverboards and we're going to be hoverboarding here, there and everywhere. Mm. Now that hasn't happened yet. It might happen. Who knows? But it takes a lot of courage to step out there into the world and go, I think this is worthy mm. of your attention. Not only that, but I'm going to make a prediction. How do you, do you have any feelings of nervousness about that at all? Have you found a way around it? Well, I guess it's a great question. And part of us would say that the kind of, either kind of, overconfident or over defensive depending on which way you want to spin it uh, part of us would say you know we're never wrong because a we're always looking at the now so we're always looking at stuff is, is already in the marketplace and but but the flips you know the flip side is of, of course not every example we present can go on to be the next uber and airbnb right so so i would say um but you know that, that doesn't really matter there's a million reasons why stuff can fail that may have nothing to do with the underlying trend uh and actually, what, what normally happens is, you know, these things succeed or, and fail at the same time, right? I mean, there are a million, um, you know, sharing economy platforms that didn't work out when Airbnb did. Right? Does that invalidate the trend? No. Depends on your perspective. Are you actually saying this morning to the crowd? Because mm. obviously you could see a few befuddled faces in the audience when you were going to some of those kind of really out there fringe yeah. trends. And you were saying, don't get caught in the crazy. Don't get caught in the, the craziness of something, yeah. thinking, well, do you know what? Robots are never going to come in here. They may or they may not. But mm. what you want people to think about is what is the need that that is addressing? And, and what I'm hearing you say is, do you know what? The, an industry will always go towards meeting the needs of its consumers. Exactly. And so even if a, a trend that you point out doesn't end up coming into being, if by pointing that trend out to somebody, they then come up with an innovation that better meets a need, it doesn't matter. Spot on. And, and I actually, I wrote this article uh, last year that said, you know, we, we actually don't predict the future. That's the kind of big misconception about trend watchers. And I, and I get it because, you know, everyone wants to know the future. So there are a lot of trend watchers that claim to be able to predict the future. I, I would argue it's impossible to predict the future, right? It's changing too fast. And trust me, if I could predict the future, I'd be building it, right? I'd be <laughs> the next Mark Zuckerberg. You, yeah, you would have built everything. <laughs> I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, 
So, so we don't predict the future. But what we do instead is we help you ask better questions about what your future could be. And, you know, that has, I believe, its own intrinsic value because, you know, we're not saying this is, you know, X is going to go to Y. We're saying having seen X and maybe T-U-V that are all happening today, how could you build Z? Right? We're not saying Y is definitely going to happen, but we're just saying, you know, now you've seen the, these data points that are real-world innovations, that are inspirational, as we've said. How does that make you feel differently? How does that make you look differently about what you're going to build next? And, and that's our job, really. So I'm going to finish with a question that I, that I always finish with. Mm. And again, I tend to try and give people at least three minutes to think about it before the presentation, which is more than enough. Um, <laughs> if, if, I could, if I could give you the stage, and the reason I, I ask this question just very quickly is because part of being a thought leader or a part mm. of being influential in any setting is clarity getting really clear. And one of the common denominators that I find with all the people of influence that I speak to and work with is they tend to be very clear on what they're trying to bring forth. And so if I could give you the stage and I could give you a microphone and in front of you, I could put every single human being that you would possibly want to influence, large or small, what's the one thing that you would want them to know? I think it's that they can... They can do this. I think that's the, the, the heart of our message is, and it goes back to this idea that, you know, we're not about predicting the future. We're about helping empower and inspire the people in that audience to do it themselves, right? So that, that is really, you know, as we've touched on a few times during this, this session, by doing this, you know, I, I closed my session by saying, you know, when you go back to the office, now and you, you see stuff coming you know from all angles at you right? you now have a new way of, of thinking about it a new way of seeing the world that hopefully empowers you as I say to, to, to be more successful in your future life so it's again a, a hopefully a positive message it's a message of empowerment and, and uh, you know it's a message that if everyone does it uh, I'll be out of a job <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that I cannot imagine that well thank you Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for battling jet lag oh, and thanks. basically inhaling caffeine so that we could do this interview. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks so much for having me. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found lots of useful insights and ideas for growing your influence. You can find out a little bit more about me and the work that I do by jumping on my website, juliemasters.com, or by following me on Instagram, jules.masters. If you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes. And also don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an interview.